Great. All right. Welcome to, uh, was this the third, fourth class? What, what week third. is this? Third? Fourth. Okay. So we're starting chapter one now. Yeah. Perek Aleph. We finished the Hakdamas HaMalaket, the compilers forward. So just to, uh, just to catch everybody up. Based on the compilers forward. This is not like a really thorough test over here. Just, I just want to make sure we have the bottom line before we move on. Based on the compiler's forward, which was written by the compiler, which is the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya. Um, what is, you know, different books have different purposes or functions. What's the purpose of this book? Do you remember? The manual. The manual, How yeah. To. How to, yeah. And... In a way, it's a, it's not a, it's not a new type of uh, relationship. The 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 relationship already has a model. It just the innovation is that it's being done in a book form. For the first time, seemingly it seems uh, it's being done for the first time as a book. But what the the this book is simulating or replicating what what type of relationship? Remember? A Rebbe and a Chassid, specifically in the Yechidus context, right? Yechidus is the one-on-one -on -one meeting or audience with the Rebbe. Okay, so think about it this way then. Imagine Perek Aleph, chapter 1, you're going into your first Yechidus. One of the problems we have when we teach Tanya is that um, a lot of the radical concepts in Tanya have become ubiquitous to the extent where the Chiddush of the Alter Rebbe is taken for granted. When you have, when you have something that, is, um, that transforms the landscape and it becomes sort of baked into the worldview, and then you retroactively look at it or you study it, sometimes you take it for granted that it's doing anything innovative. So, and I want to try to, and especially the people who have the worst problem are Lubavitchers, because before they learn Tanya the first time, let alone the first serious approach as adults, they've already heard these ideas over and over and over again. So they don't even appreciate what's happening here in Tanya. And if you don't get the innovation, if you don't get the, 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 the if you don't understand something radical is happening here, Obviously, um, well, one, one very obvious effect is that y it, it fails to engage you. Because you're like, yeah, yeah, go on. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. What do you mean you know? You only know because the Alter Rebbe wrote it 200 years ago, and then people repeated it, and who repeated it, who repeated it, until you heard it long before you ever seriously started studying Tanya. But what I'm going to try to do, as best as I can, is simulate the experience that you would have had going in blind, even though... It's actually impossible to do that. <coughs> so if, if you have any uh, preconceived notions that are actually based on Tanya, I'm going to try to strip those from you and pretend you're going in without that. So you're going into Tanya, and what are you, what are you looking for? Why are you, why are you going into Yechidus with the Alter Rebbe? Advice. 
You want advice. Okay, advice for... So it's something personal, yeah, more, sp what? Life, uh, yeah, but more specifically. How to serve Hashem. Yeah, yeah, he says very clearly in the compilers forward that this is for people who are searching how to serve Hashem. So this is for religious advice, okay. And that's why, like I said last week, where in Tanya is he going to make philosophical arguments to uh, compel you to believe in God? Nowhere. Nowhere, because that's not the point of the book. Because the point of the book is you're coming in, you're saying, I do believe and I am experiencing frustration and failure and I need a better method than whatever I've been doing. So imagine yourself now, you're trying to serve Hashem and probably is not that much of a far-fetched fantasy because all of us on some level, you know, we're trying to serve Hashem and on some level are not living up to our goals 100%. So we come in, and the first thing that's bothering us, you have to really, really, really put yourself into that mind state. The first thing that's bothering us is, what's wrong with me? I, I know what I believe, I know what I value, and then I look at how I live, and it's not always consistent with that. So I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with me. You know, it's interesting. This week, at least in our class, it's Parshas Teldes, which is, uh, means offspring, the descendants. So the descendants of... Uh, we're talking about uh, Avram gave birth to, or begat, I guess that's the <coughs> fancy word, Yitzchak. Yitzchak was the son of Avram. And uh, then Yitzchak married Rivka, and then Rivka was pregnant, and she had twins. So, um, you know, she had a difficult pregnancy. And she had davened for this pregnancy, because she was barren. And then after she was having a difficult pre pregnancy, she went to the prophet in her time, who was Shem, the son of Noach, and she asked, like, w what's going on? You know, I davened so much for this, and now it's so painful. And he told her that there are two, uh, you, you have twins. You're pregnant with, uh, with, with two children. And that's the simple story. The, the deeper explanation not that deep. I mean, it's still Pshut Shomikra, it's still the literal, concrete, simple explanation, but filling in the, the details is that, like Rashi says, and he brings from, uh, from, our, from, from our sages, that when she would walk by a base of Edezara, an idolatrous temple, she would feel the, the fetus stirring within her, trying to get out and to join the idolatry. And then she would walk by the yeshiva of Shem Ve'ever, a holy place, and she would feel the fetus stirring to get out. So she was, uh, that, that was, that was the pain that she was feeling. In other words, she was feeling, uh, she was feeling this, this, uh, what do you call it, uh, prenatal uh, moral <laughs> struggle, where at least according to her knowledge at the time, she had this child 
who was compelled to both worship idols and study Torah. And she went to the prophet and he told her, you're pregnant with twins, and she was relieved. Why was she relieved? She just found out one of her kids is the good one, one of her kids is the bad one. Doesn't say any of this in Tanya, by the way. I'm just giving you this as a background to Tanya. No, it doesn't say this in Tanya. It's actually from the, the Balatanya's Mukhut and Levi Yitzchak Badichever. He explains this. Until then, she thought that she has one child who's very confused. Then she found out, no, 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 you have two babies. <coughs> one has this nature, the other has that nature. And as far as the one having a negative nature, so we'll channel it, we'll work on it, we'll try to sublimate it. But the point is, it's not one child who's confused, it's two children who have very clear, distinct personalities. So, the great relief that we learn in chapter one of Tanya is the, the idea of the shtei nefashas, of the two souls, which is a concept from Lurianic Kabbalah, from Rav Chaim Vital, who was the chief disciple and scribe of the Arizal, Yitzchok Luria. And uh, basically that's a relief because once we realize that there are two souls, now we can sort of compartmentalize the conflict we're having. We're not wishy-washy. We're not vacillating. It's not that we are constantly uh, changing our mind. No, actually, there are two forces within us which are both rather consistent in their agenda. One is interested in what it's interested in, and we'll learn about what it's interested in, and the other is interested in something quite different. We'll learn about what that is. The point is, just finding out that the nature of my condition is such that the conflict I'm experiencing is not inconsistency, but rather it is complexity. It, it, you understand, my personality is not so simple. It's a combination of two forces which are diametrically opposed in many ways. So that itself is a great relief. In chapter one, there's a whole discussion which is a rather legalistic discussion about these terms, tzaddik, rasha, benini, and which he does not really define in chapter one at all. He creates a question through like Talmudic dialectic. He creates a question about what indeed is a benini. How do you categorize it? It's a Talmudic term, tzaddik, rasha, benini. I can translate those words, but the translations are meaningless in our context. Righteous is tzaddik, uh, tzaddik is righteous, Russia is wicked, Benini is intermediate, in between. So, we, he asks us to search for a working definition of this term called Benini, and then he begins to answer that question by saying, hey, surprise, you're pregnant with twins. He doesn't tell us what Benini means, but he says it has something to do with the fact that you are pregnant with twins. What I mean metaphorically, that you have two souls, you have two drives, which are very, very, very uh, different in their agenda, in their goal, in their, in their modus operandi. Okay? So basically that's chapter one. I gave you that, the heads up so you could anticipate the flow and understand what's happening. Okay? You're coming into, ta you're coming into the first Yechidus, you're coming into Tanya, first Perek Aleph Tanya. You are distraught about your inconsistency 
And basically, the Al Rebbe says there's something called Tzadik Roshabeni that's going to become important later, <laughs> but it has something to do with the fact that you are pregnant with twins. You have again, pregnant with twins is not a term that the Al Rebbe uses in Tanya, but he says you you have two you have two souls. It's a basic concept from from the from the Arizal. You have two souls, and they're they're opposing each other, and that hence the inconsistency that you experience. Okay, how are we doing? So far, so good. Okay, so you want to see it inside? Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. let's see. I don't know if we'll finish a pedic in in one class. This is last time we learned. We did. We went very quickly. I'm not going as quickly this time, but I'm still going quickly. And uh, hence, I want to I want to give you a heads up. Like, who asked last week? What does Tanya mean? Why is it called Tanya? Okay. So I personally, I don't care why it's called Tanya. You know why? because it's a manual and you to see the problem with Tanya is it's a manual that every single word can be taught well really infinitely so what happens is and this is really the curse of Lubavitchers who learn Tanya in school they can tell you what every word means but they don't know what the chapter does so it's like if each chapter is a step and a set of instructions What's more important to know how to explain that you could the one when it says mashbianoi say is mashbianoi say you could read with a shin or with a sin anyone here base rifka knows of the shin or the sin okay how much does that help you all right right okay so to me that's like second third fourth time around learning Tanya but since somebody asked you I'll give you a very just to Tanya is the letters a son. A sun means strength. Tanya? Yeah. The anagram for Tanya? Yeah. Tanya, the anagram. Which means yeah. strength too. Yeah, that's right. That's what I said. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said something. Okay. Yeah, that's what I said. The letters of Tanya. A instead of a yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Tanya is a sun, which means strength. And Tanya is revealing the strength of the soul. Okay, but I, th I'm, this is the last time I'm going to do stuff like that. I'm not into that. What? Rabbi Tab, I'm looking at these letters and I see ten Hashem, and this is a manual. This is like give me God. I know that's your chiddush. That's uh, incredible. We have a chiddush in this. Ein beis hamedrash belay chiddush. We have a chiddush here. Is that with the words, with the letters? I see. So you, you you're getting ten, give, yud aleph, but yud, but Hashem's name is yud hey. One Hashem. Aleph. Oh, one Hashem aleph. Okay. All right. We made it work. We made it work. Have another piece of kugel. You know that one? Kugel is Bigamatria Shabbos. Really? Well, hold on a second. Kugel, 106 and 3, it's 109, and a iron. So that's a 70, 179 with a Lamed, 209. So is 209. Shabbos is 702. So how is kugel? Yeah? So he says, eat another piece of kugel. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, but I'm not going to do these details. I'm not going to go into the details because what's going to happen is if we go into the details, um, we're going to know the trees, but not the forest. So I, 
I want to know the forest, not the... Well, it's not that I don't want to know the trees. It, uh, the trees are wonderful. But, okay, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> Just roll, roll with it. Roll with it, okay. <laughs> All right. All right, let's go inside. Let's learn. Okay. Pedagolif, Tanya, Besay, Pedagibolinida. So we learned... I mean, if you really wanted me to do this, like, the real, like, way that, you know, I would, I would mention to you that in the end of chapter 3 of Nida, where it says this teaching, it doesn't even say Tanya over there. It says Tanya here as if it's quoting the Gemara saying Tanya, but the Gemara there doesn't even say Tanya. It says, Dorishab Simloi. Yeah. So the Alta Rebbe purposely put in the word Tanya for a reason. Anyways, but I, I don't want to teach it like that. <laughs> okay. So it says in the end of chapter 3 of Nida, the Gemara Nida, that they give him an oath. Who's they? The heavenly court. Who's him? The soul. The heavenly court gives the soul an oath. When? You want to guess? Before it comes down. Yeah. Be a tzaddik and don't be a rasha. Want to translate the words? We can translate the words. Be righteous and don't be wicked. And even if the whole world tells you, you're a tzaddik. Be in your own eyes like a rasha. Okay, so that was the oath. Be righteous, don't be wicked, and even if the whole world says, hey, you did it, you're righteous, no, don't believe it. Okay? Alright, fine. We have to understand the hot nan of his pedic base. Faalti rosh bifneats mecho. In pedic base of Pirkei Ovis, it says, do not be a rasha in your own eyes, in your own estimation. So this, this Gemara says that you should think, even if people tell you you're a tzaddik, you should think of yourself as a rasha. Pirkei Ovis says you should not think of yourself as a rasha. What's up with that? We, in other words, we have a contradiction between two texts, between two sources. Vigam and also. It's not just that it's a contradiction between te two texts. There's a logical problem here. Im of You know what's going to happen if you are in your eyes as a Rasha, if you see yourself as a Rasha, as a wicked person. You're going to feel bad. Via Otsev, you're going to feel sad. And what will happen? You won't be able to serve Hashem with joy and gladness of heart. And he's not even saying this theoretically. I mean, remember, we're talking to somebody who's probably already been through this, who's already asked himself this question, like, am I a bad person? I don't know, look what I just did. Here's what I thought I believed, here's what I thought my standards were, and then you look and you see, I didn't live up to it. So what am I? Am I a bad person? And, and you want me to believe I'm a bad person? See, now I'm forced to choose. Do I change my standards, or do I, or do I change my identity? If you want me to tell, I'll tell you that I've lowered my standards so that I can you know, move the goalposts so that I can continue to consider myself a good person. I can do that, but I, 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 I don't want to I don't want to give up my standards. I don't want to lie to myself about what's right. On the other hand, if you want me to keep my standards, then I have to admit that I'm not living up to my standards, and now my identity is that of, an, of a person who's a failure, a moral failure. 
And so I'm left feeling bad about myself. So, all right, maybe then I just won't care. Maybe I'll say, you know what? I don't live up to my standards. That's fine. I'm not going to let it bother me. So he continues and says, But if he's not bothered at all by the fact that he's not living up to his standards, He could, God forbid, come to being flippant, irreverent, meaning he won't even care anymore. And this is really the conflict that, that Tanya begins with. It's like, there's, there's, there's the ideal and then there's the reality. And they're not matching up. And I'm not sure which way to, to adjust in order to move forward. Should I just accept the fact that I'm a sinner? And I'll always be one? And I'll always come up short? That doesn't feel good. And then it's going to get to me, and then ultimately that's going to derail me from my service of Hashem. So I can't see how that's going to work out well. All right, fine. So maybe I'll go to the other extreme. Maybe I'll say, eh, who cares? It's fine. Don't worry. Don't take it so seriously. Yeah, but then I see where that's going to head. That's not, that's not uh, going to lead to very good places. So I'm sort of stuck with how do I... <laughs> How do I be real with myself? How do I be emotionally honest and also be principled? And that's, it's causing me a lot of grief. <coughs> so understand that when I come into my first Yechidus, that's really my problem. I'm a principled person. I'm a believer. And I have a lot of frustration with myself. And I've tried different ways of dealing with that frustration, caring more, caring less, <laughs> neither of them are working. You understanding what's going on here? However, here's the concept. And when he says, here's the concept, this is not like a fast answer. Remember, I told you on the title page, this is the long, short way. So he says, the answer is, you have to know there's something called Tzadik Rosh Abenini, but he doesn't even define Tzadik Rosh Abenini yet. He won't for many, many chapters. He's going to talk about Tzadik Rosh Abenini, he's going to raise a bunch of questions about it, and he's, he's, then he's going to say, but Tzadik Rosh Abenini you can only understand by understanding the two souls. And then we're going to get a little bit of an, uh, an, an idea about the two souls. But even that, not really. So this is a very long answer. A very long answer. At the rate that we're going, and I'm going fast, it'll probably take us a couple of months, at least, to understand the answer. But I want you to just try to connect with the problem, so you can keep that feeling with you, so you can check back in with it as we're learning, and feel if clarity is, is, is coming to you. Okay? So the feeling is, in our first Yechidus, this confusion about our own inconsistencies, about how we should look at, look at ourselves, what's our identity. And he says, well, first thing I want to do is I want to talk about the, this, this concept called Tzadik Rasha Benini. Now these are not original to Tanya, these are Talmudic terms. So he's going to raise a bunch of questions about the term Tzadik Rasha Benini. Let, let's look at this. 
We find in the Gemara, in the Talmud, five categories, right? This is not original to, to the Alter Rebbe. We find in the Gemara five categories. We said Tzadik Rashabeni, but it's more, uh, a little bit more complex than that. Because there are subcategories. Tzadik V'tayvlai, Tzadik, who it is good for him, or he has good to him. And there are two ways of translating that. Tzadik V'raloi, a Tzadik who has bad. Rosha V'tayvlai, a Rosha, a wicked person who has bad. Good, and a wicked person who has bad, and then the middle category. So you have Tzadik Rosh but then you have two subcategories of Tzadik and Rosh. So you have two, two, and, f- and one, which is five. Following? Okay. And I'm not going to get into the original context. This is a conversation between Meshur Rabbeinu and Hashem. It's a question about uh, why do good people suffer. Tzaddik v'tayvle means a tzaddik who has good in life. His experience of life is pleasant. Doesn't suffer. Tzaddik v'raloi, he's good, but bad things happen to him. Because one of the explanations, as, as we're about to explain, is that, and this is not the explanation for why do bad things happen to good people. This is not the Alter Rebbe's point here, so please do not get uh, off track thinking about that philosophical question right now, but in the in the context of the original Talmudic discussion, one of the ways of explaining tzaddik with tevle, tzaddik with alay, is what he's about to say is a tzaddik who internally is complete in his righteousness, a tzaddik who's internally incomplete in his righteousness, and therefore, if he's complete inside, then he experiences things good around him, and if he's incomplete inside, then he'll experience negative things around it. But again, this is not a time and place to discuss why the bad things happen to good people. The, the, only, the only thing that's pertinent right now for this discussion is the fact that these categories exist, these terms exist, and, um, and we're going to try to understand them better in terms of, again, not the philosophical question about why the bad things happen to good people, even though that's the original context in the Gemara but more about what is the internal experience of each of these personae. How do they experience moral conflict, or the lack thereof, okay? So, <coughs> you have uh, these five categories, fine. And then, Upirsha with Gemara, and the Gemara explains, Tzadik v'tevle Tzadik Gomer. The Tzadik who has good, or experiences good, is called a complete Tzadik. Tzadik v'raloi, Tzadik who has bad, or experiences bad, Tzadik she'enoi Gomer, is an incomplete Tzadik. All right, so let's, let's let that be the working definition now. Because now let's forget about the philosophical question and just say, there's a tzaddik gomer, a tzaddik she'ena gomer. A tzaddik who is completely a tzaddik through and through, and there's a tzaddik she'ena gomer who's not completely a tzaddik through and through. Now in the Zayar, there's a section of Zayar called Raya Mehemna, tzaddik v'ra'alai shoharasha be'kof of l'tei v'chulu. What's a tzaddik v'ra'alai? He has... Ra in him, he has his own evil streak, but it is subjugated to the good. It's completely under control. Back to the Talmudic quote. Uh, who are the tzaddikim? They are people for whom 
their good inclination is their shayfet. A shayfet is a judge, meaning the one who issues decrees. So tzaddikim are ones who, the only voice that's issuing behavioral decrees, do this, do that, is the Yetzer Toiv. Rishayim, Yetzahara Shoiftan, they have the Yetzahara dictating what they should do. Bainim, but with Bainim, the intermediate Zevazesh Shoiftan Bechulu, they have both voices. Like the Disney, uh, you know, with the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other shoulder. Amr Rabba says, or said, Rabba, the great Amr Rabba, Kagain Ano Bainini. You want to know what a Bainini is? I am an I am an example. Someone like me is a Bainini. Amar leAbai, Abai said to him, leShavik Mar Chay Luchol Beria Vuchulu. He said, Rabbi, you're not allowing us to live. If you are, we all know how perfect you are. You're the Bainini that doesn't bode well for the rest of us. By implication, the rest of us are wicked. So to understand all this very well. Right, I want to understand what is a tzaddik, what's a rasha, what's a baini, why did Rabbah say that he's a baini? We know how perfectly he lived, and he's calling himself a baini. So to understand all of this, the Gamlahov, and also to understand another thing, something that Job said, not in the book of Job, it's not in Tereshi B'chsav, but in Tereshi B'alpeh, specifically, where is it? Impress me that you guys know how to use uh, the internal citations. Where does Job speak to God a dialogue in the oral tradition? Where does it happen? Impress me that you know how to use internal citations. Impress me that you know how to read. Where does it happen? What? What? Where does Job have a discussion with God in the oral tradition. Okay, so I, I want to encourage everyone to, underst okay, to understand something. The Alta Rebbe uses a lot of sources. Um, they're right there. It's right there on the page. All you have to do is read the next word. Perek Aleph, yeah, okay, of what? Gemara? Good guess. Starts with the base. Baba Basra. Very good. We have Tami Echachamim here. Very good. So, Baba Basra Perik Aleph. Yeah, very good. Excellent. Guys are good. So, in this dialogue, Job says, Rebbeinu Shalaylam. Again, we're not getting into theodicy and any of the, it's, it's not the point here. He says, Master of the world, Master of the world, you created tzaddikim, righteous people, you created rishoyim, wicked people. And the Alter raises a contradiction, but hold on, tzaddik We know from another source, Talmudic source, that when a child is born, it's decreed strong or weak, rich or poor, but righteous and wicked are not decreed because those are completely up to free choice. Strong or weak, rich or poor, these are things that are predetermined. This is your destiny. 
Righteous or wicked? You think that's predetermined? Isn't that predetermined? It's just a matter of how far you have to fight whatever your evil inclination is. Whether you're tzaddik or rasha, specifically... I don't know any of this. All, all I know is the Gemara says very clearly that tzaddik and rasha are not part of the predetermined package. So, yeah. Rich or poor, you say, is, is predetermined? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you could relax and stop working so hard. Well, what do we I don't know, too many details. <laughs> it's not the point. Anyways, guys, you're going to thank me for one thing. I'm not going to allow us to have interesting side conversations. <laughs> okay? Because remember, the, the Altareb has got all these gemotas out on the table now, and, and, a, and a Zoya are out on the table, and, and uh, trust me, it's so easy to get off track. Let's stay on track. We're trying to understand what is Tzadik Rosh We're also trying to understand why Eov, Job, said in this dialogue with Hashem that's recorded in the oral tradition. He said, Master of the world, you created Tzadikim, you created Roshayim. Hold on. But we know elsewhere, Gemara, it says that Tzadik and Rasha are not predetermined. So how did Job say you created Tzadikim and Roshayim? You should say you created a bunch of people who get to choose whether they will be a Tzadik or a Rasha. From the wording that Job uses, it sounds like some people were created to have one moral persona and the other people are just, that's how they were created. They were created, they're, they're going to be wicked, which seems to uh, contradict the, the whole concept of free choice. Yeah, you're clear on this? Please don't, you're not clear because you're thinking too, you're too smart. You're too sm you, I'm telling you, because you're getting sidetracked, you're thinking too deeply. It's a very simple question. The question is much simpler. It's, uh, trust me, it's simpler. It's not that it's too high of a question. It's just, you got to, okay, turn off all the interesting, like, synapses that are firing right now in the associations. It's a very simple thing. I just want to know one thing. Is your being a tzaddik or a rasha, is that predetermined or not? There's one source in Gemara that clearly says that it's not predetermined because it's left to free choice. And yet there's a... When you're, first of all, when you're saying predetermined, is that before birth? Is that before birth. Before birth. Before birth. Don't, do, don't come in with the Rosh Hashanah. I already told you. We're not getting into that. <laughs> so I shouldn't go to Shul Rosh Hashanah. What? <laughs> Between now and Rosh Hashanah, we'll have that discussion. Okay? Don't worry about the Rosh Hashanah right now. Okay. Okay. Because we got another question we got to bring up. Uh, I want to understand what is a bainini? Like, what is it really? Because I'll tell you one thing, I, I'm, I'm sure it's not. Somebody might say, well, in between guy is a guy who does 50% mitzvahs, 50% sins. Can't be. That can't be the definition. Because if so, how did Rabbah, who was perfect, mistaken himself for a Benini? We know he didn't ever stop learning Torah to the point where the angel of death wanted to come get him, and he couldn't, the angel of death couldn't take him because he was constantly learning Torah. 
You think he really was mistaken to that degree that where he never did one sin in his whole life, he thought, well, maybe I do half sins, maybe I'm 50% sinful. So, and yet he thought he was a Benini. So then, how did he think he was a Benini? Obviously he wasn't, but there was a reason where he could have at least thought he was a Benini, so I want to know. Benini must mean something different than what I think it means. Otherwise, how did Rabbah even consider the possibility that he was a Benini? Okay, I don't know what Benini means. The eight. Furthermore, I know from the Gemara that a person who sins at the moment he sins, he's called a complete Russia. And after he does Tshuva, he's called a Tzadik Gomer. So when he sins, he's, a complete, he's completely wicked. When he does Tshuva, he's completely righteous. So then when is he a Benini? I don't know, I'm, and I don't want you to try to answer. The, these questions are to spark a discussion. You want to know something? It doesn't even matter if it's a small infraction, meaning the person violated some rabbinic decree. At the moment he's sinning, he's called wicked. In fact, not only a person who does an infraction is called wicked, but a person who doesn't object to somebody else's sin, where he could have, is called wicked. How much more so a person who does a sin of omission, where he could have done a positive thing, like study Torah, and he fails to do so. Shal of upon him, the sages say, someone who is mevatel Torah, who chooses to not learn when he could be learning, he's despised the word of the Lord, he will be surely cut off. So surely, nullifying a positive commandment like the study of Torah is much worse than committing a small violation, and a person who commits a small violation is called wicked, so it must be someone who omits to study Torah is called wicked. The Imkain, if so, follow the logic. This Benini must not even have the sin of failing to study Torah every minute that's possible for him to study. And that's why Rabbi was able to think that he was a Benini. It wasn't that Rabbi didn't know that he was studying Torah every second and therefore he thought he was a Benini? No. It's that a Benini apparently is somebody who's studying Torah every single minute. And because if a Benini would stop studying Torah for even a minute, he wouldn't be called a Benini, he'd be called a Rasha. Is everyone following this? You don't have to follow exactly, but do you follow that there's a logical argument being made based on Talmudic sources? It's a continuum. But if he's studying, the Benini's studying for all day, it's the same. Hmm? At this point, maybe let me re, re okay, at this point, it seems to me that what you're describing, based on Talmudic sources, as being a Benini, this is basically a tzaddik. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, then what do you need another category for? Great, good questions. Okay, you guys are doing good. Okay, very good. If you have an answer, you messed up because you shouldn't have an answer yet. You'd just be like, what's good? This, this is weird. I don't know. You're right. Everybody should strive to be a Benoni. No, 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 no. We didn't, uh, didn't say uh, that. We didn't say that. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Right now, right now, let's just refresh our memories where we are. We're coming into our first Yechidus. We're frustrated. We're confused about our own identity. And the Altarabbis says, okay. I want to tell you a bunch of stuff about Tadik Rashabendi, and I'm not even going to resolve it for you. I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions about these categories. All right, that's all that's happening right now. You've got to respect the process. It's a process. It's a process. Umasha Kasa Bazer, Haleb Gimel, Dafresh Lamed Aleph Kol, Shumumu Otin, Avenis Vukulu, Hishalis Ravamun Elio, Avalafichuvas Elio, Sham Pirish Tadik Varalai, who Kamesha Kasa Bara Mehem, the Pasha Mishpatim Dulael. Side point. There's a little discussion in the Zayar between Rav Hamnuna and Eliyahu Navi. And he asks him about what is a Tzadik Viraloi. And he has a thought what it is, but then that's not what it is. And basically it's the same as what we already said. Anyways, if you learn a lot of Zayar and you would have had this question, he just dealt with it for you. Okay. There are 70 interpretations, and Rav Hamnuna thought possibly that was one of them. Okay. Now, the fact that colloquially, you mean the way that people speak, people say that someone who does half and half half sins, half merits, is called a benini, and person who does 51% and higher mitzvahs is called a tzaddik. That is not really the exact term. It's a shem ha-mushal. A shem ha-mushal means a borrowed term, meaning you're not using the term technically correctly, but for purposes of conversation, it's close enough. When we're talking about punishment, when, it, when we're talking about, well, he says here, the way that judgment goes, like at the end of somebody's life. They're judged based on their majority. Okay? So he's called tzaddik, he's called righteous as far as the judgment. They look at his whole life, if it's 51% good, they say tzaddik. That's not what it that's not the technical, precise definition of tzaddik, but in the very specific context of judgment, we use the term tzaddik. But if you want to use the term tzaddik precisely, if you want to use it correctly, it doesn't mean a person who did 51% mitzvahs. Amr Razal, no. The sages say something much stronger. They say, Tzadikim Yetzir Shaftan. We said before, Tzadikim only have the Yetzir Toiv issuing orders. Shenamar Uvalibi Cholo Bekirbi. Like David Melech said, my heart, meaning my evil inclination, is dead within me. I don't have temptations anymore. She'ein la Yetzahara. He didn't have a Yetzahara anymore. Ki betainis. He killed it through fasting. Avakomi Shalayi Gila Medregezu. 
Anyone who didn't reach that level, where he no longer has a Yetzirah, even though he does more good than bad, he cannot be called a tzaddik whatsoever. That's why our sages say in a medrash, Hashem saw at the beginning of time that tzaddikim were exceedingly rare, and he sort of sprinkled them out throughout the generations. There's only a few people like that in each era. Kamesha Kosovo, like it says, the tzaddik is the foundation of the world, meaning he's this unique persona. It's not like there's a lot of these people. There are very, very, very few of them. So, and, and the next line here is Achbiro Inyan, however, here's the explanation, and we don't have time to get to the explanation, but I just want to recap. We come in, we're like, what's up with me? Why am I all over the place? Why am I inconsistent? So the Altareb is like, okay, fine. Let's just, let's just say that back to you. Um, if, you, okay, you know that you were given an oath to be a tzaddik, not be a rasha, but even the whole world tells you you're a tzaddik, but you should th- think of yourself as a rasha. Yeah, that kind of doesn't make sense, because if you think of yourself as a rasha, then you're going to be depressed, then you won't be able to serve Hashem, so that's a vicious cycle. But if you decide, well, I'm not a rasha, I can sin and not think I'm a rasha, well then, that leads to being cavalier, so that, that, that's, that's, not, that's not a valid approach. So, what's up? How are you supposed to look at yourself? Basically, the whole question is, how should I look at myself? What's my identity? So he says, you want to know something? If you want an identity, it's very complex. And we're going to have to get into this, these terms, Tadik, Rosh, Abeni. And it's not even Tadik, Rosh, Abeni. It's Tadik, V'tayvle, Tadik, V'raloi, Rosh, V'tayvle, Rosh, V'raloi. I'm going to craft for you an identity. But we're going to have to ask you a lot of questions. First of all, we're going to have to lead you logically to, to, by process of elimination to say what a Benini isn't. A Benini isn't the guy who sins 49% of the time. Or, I mean, I mean who sins... Tzaddik isn't the guy who sins 49% of the time. A is not a guy who sins 50% of the time. In fact, according to my sources, a Benini can't even be a guy who sins 1% of the time because then he'd be called a Rosha. In fact, he doesn't even stop learning Torah for one second. Because he would also be called a Rasha. And, Ra- and Rabbah wouldn't be able to th- mistake himself for being one. So what is a Benini? Sounds right now indistinguishable from a Tzaddik. But obviously it's not a Tzaddik. Like you said, if, if it's the same, then why have that category called Tzaddik? If it's a redundancy. It's clearly not a redundancy. So Tzaddik is a distinct category from Benini. But what's his Benini? Because everything you've described, based on your Talmudic sources, sounds identical to a Tzaddik. And the answer is, I don't know any of this yet. But the answers will lead to some type of category or, or, or definition of the kind of person that you will be able to identify with and, and be able to both retain your self-esteem and your principles at the same time. That's the whole point here. Right now, I'm feeling a tug of war. Should I let go of my self-esteem or should I let go of my principles? Should I admit that I'm a loser who's a moral failure, but at least I have high standards? Or should I lower my standards and love myself? I don't want to do either. So he's saying, there's going to be a definition that I'm going to craft for you, which is based on Talmudic sources. I'm not making it up. It's not my innovation. 
where you will be able to have your cake and eat it too. You'll be able to have high standards and you'll be able to love yourself, which we know is important because if you don't love yourself, you're not happy about yourself, you're not going to be able to serve Hashem properly. Okay, great. Tell me, what is that definition? He says, okay, slow down. Okay, because how long have you been having this struggle your whole life? Okay, so you think you're going to come in, I'm, it's going to take me five minutes to tell you uh, a new paradigm. It's not going to take five minutes. It's going to take, I mean, for, for, for our class, it's going to take months. But by the time we have that concept firmly established, we'll all of a sudden be able to understand our own experience as conflicted individuals within a context that makes sense. Is everyone following here? Okay. So that's really what's happening here. The Altab is building for me a worldview in which I can, it's an interesting thing. On one hand, I can be comfortable with myself, but not let myself go. I can, I can have lofty standards, like the religious spiritual seeker that I am, but without judging myself to a point of, of, of self-loathing. And that's, that's the conflict. Remember, that's the conflict I'm coming in with. So for right now, when we keep sort of checking in with our progress at this point, we'll have new problems as Tanya progresses because answers lead to new questions. But at this point, you want to just keep checking with this idea of I'm confused about my identity. I'm not sure how to regard myself. And... and In other words, let me put it like this, and I want to let you go because I try to be very careful about ending on time. At this point, the entire impetus for the discussion is an emotional question. Okay? We're dealing with human emotions. We're dealing with the fact that you're a real person. You have feelings. Okay? You don't just tell somebody, well, this is what Yiddishkeit is, and if it works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't, I'm sorry, what can we do for you? No, we're taking it very seriously that you're experiencing emotional turmoil, and we're going to help you to work through it without having to throw out our religious standards. But in order to do that, there's a, there's a very complex building of terms. It's all about, really, it's about a language. It's about crafting a lexicon. And that's, that's what we're doing. Paula, do you want to... No, just the thing is, is it, is it, how do I fit myself into this world? Yes. How do I fit myself into this world called Hashem is true and Torah is true and all this stuff is true and I know I don't do it all the time, so what's up with that? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. All right. Yeah.